Turn to John 3. I'm doing selected studies as I next week will uh, pick up John 3, 16. I wanted to do that. And then chapter 4 will tie chapter 2 together. There's some great things there. Um, chapter 1, we've, we've been looking at verses 1 through 18, the prologue. In the rest of that chapter, Jesus uh, reveals five men that uh, put their faith in him. Of course, you had John the Baptist preaching, Nathaniel, Philip, Simon, Peter, and Andrew. And so they, they follow Christ. Chapter 2, he does his first miracle, the miracle of turning water to wine, which is a hint and a clue, I came to change people and if I can change water into wine, I can take a ruined line, life and change it into something glorious. Then we come to chapter 3, and uh, the, the rumors are out on the street and even reaching the religious community that there's a different kind of rabbi loose. Uh, he performs miracles. That was an unusual for uh, Jewish religion and people claiming to be Messiah. There was many claims in the 400 years from Malachi to Matthew, many claimed to be the Messiah, the Deliverer, and sometimes would do various kinds of miraculous things. So it's come to the ears of a man by the name of Nicodemus. And this is no ordinary man. This is one of the most religious, uh, qualified, uh, quadruple PhD Jewish teachers of the day and uh, eventually comes to Christ. But we have an interview that's famous here because it's the first place we get this word, you ought to be born again. And this didn't come from Alabama. This comes from John 3. Okay, the term born again. I remember when Jimmy Carter went in, uh, the born again movement, who's born again, who's not. So we want to look at this narrative and uh, we'll just go to verse 15, and three things we want to pick up. The profile of this religious man, uh, and two things. The necessity of getting a new father and a new life, and two, the necessity of somebody paying for it. Just that's simple. We'll look at the man's profile, his resume, and the two necessities. You need a new life, Nicodemus. Two, you need someone to pay for you to have that life because you can't get it free. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. He was a member of the Sanhedrin, which was made up of about 71 people. The high priest chaired it, and there were 70 other men that made the Sanhedrin, and Nicodemus is on that group. It was the Supreme Court of Judaism at this time. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Very complimentary. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? 
Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher? And it's a definite article. I mean, it, uh, he is way up. It's not like he is the, the leading spokesman for Judaism and the law at this time. He, definite teacher. You are the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? In other words, you should know this, which hints how come he should know it? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. But if I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man, the idea is no one has ever had their abode in heaven and lived out there that's come to the earth with this message. Oh, we've got people that claim, uh, you know, Muhammad was supposed to have been told in 600 A.D. the, the vision of the Muslim faith, and others came and claimed God told me so, and Christ said, no one's ever come directly from the face of God to bring a message but me. I'm the only one. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whoever believes in him, used 17 times in this gospel, seven times in verses 11 to 21, that whoever believes in him, may have a hundred years from now, eternal life. No, 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 no. May have, when do you get it? I write these things unto you that have believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God, that you may know that you have, present tense, possession, eternal life, 1 John 5, 13. Eternal life isn't something you get in the future, it's something you get now. When you get it. Well, let's look at the man's profile. Uh, this is no ordinary uh, Jew. Th this man's a Pharisee, uh, which was he was a leading conservative of his day. Uh, the Liberal Party was the Sadducees, and they were really uh, in the pocket of Rome. They were more politicians than they were theologians, but they were liberals. Uh, they only accepted the first five books of Moses. They denied the resurrection. They denied the existence of angels. So they were the liberal, liberal wing of Judaism, for sure. But Nicodemus is a right winger. He believes the 39 books of the Old Testament. 
Yeah, he believes in the resurrection. It's the party that Paul the apostle was from. He was a Pharisee. These guys were strict Jews. We'd almost think of them as orthodox, Hasidic, uh, practicing the law as much as possible. I mean, he is the right-wing party. He hasn't sold out to Rome. So very influential. The ruler of the Jews, which meant he was on the Sanhedrin, uh, great influence, great respect, uh, a man of uh, great, great abilities. Uh, he came to Jesus by night. Every time Nicodemus comes to Jesus, it's by night. And it's interesting, in John, John seldom uses the word night or darkness without a spiritual overtone that it was not just physically dark, but it was spiritually dark. He was in the dark. He never came to Christ in John without being at night. Now, some say he came because he didn't want to be seen with this uh, radical rabbi, and, and that may be true. But in John's language of light and darkness in this gospel, it always has a spiritual. He came not only at a physical midnight or dark night uh, appearance, but he came still being in the darkness himself. Very loaded with the book of John. He was very respectful to Jesus. He even advocated for him in John 7 uh, that uh, God was maybe with this man. And uh, he, he joins up with Joseph of Arimathea to donate the spices to uh, bury Jesus with. So he, he was impressed with Jesus. He truly was. And respectful. Uh, more than any other of, of the Pharisees. And uh, he gives a profile that the hardest people Jesus had to deal with were those who were so religiously right. Where would you have gone to find God in 30 A.D. in the Roman Empire? There's nobody else I would have rather talked to than Nicodemus. He could quote me the Psalms. He could quote me Moses. I believe he could quote me Isaiah. Would you want to talk to the pagan religions of Rome and Athens and Greece? Uh-uh. No, no, you give me this Jewish teacher. He, nobody on the earth has got more insight than him. If I'm going to talk to someone about God, I want to look up a Jew, and I really would want to get to this man. The astounding thing in the narrative, and Christ never speaks of in a demeaning way to Nicodemus, is that Nicodemus didn't know God like Jesus came to introduce him to. That he was a religious person who did not yet know God. A nice man, a leader. This is no uh, notorious man. This was a man schooled uh, in the law and uh, the Old Testament. This, I, I would just say, let me say this uh, as a sideline. One of the worst things, hear me, one of the worst things you can ever do to our Jewish neighbors is treat them like they're already going to heaven. They're not going to heaven because they're Jewish. You go to heaven because you're born again. And the church 
I know some in the church, they're in awe of Jewishness. And, and Jewish people and Jewish believers know this. Oh, you're all into, if it's Jewish, it's got to be God. Everything Jewish is God. No, 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 no. What I need, according to 2 Corinthians 3, when the rabbis read the law now, their eyes are veiled because they can't see Christ. They need Christ. Why don't you pray for Jewish people? Why don't you share the gospel and quit saying, oh, oh they'll reject it because they know so much more of the Bible than me. Are you kidding? They're into New Age. They're into Eastern religions. They're a thousand miles from the God of Abraham. But they're dying in the name of the Jewishness, and we got the Torah, we got the law, and I'm going to say, and you're going to hell until you see Jesus as Messiah. And I say the same thing to a Gentile. But don't put Jewish people so high that you don't evangelize. You're not with me, you're half asleep. And Jewish people know it. And you become enemies of almost Jews for Jesus kind of evangelism. Well, why are you evangelizing your Jewish people? Well, who else is? We can't wait on the church. We're too busy saying they're halfway to heaven already because they're Jewish. No, no, no. They grew up with the law. They grew up. They were a thousand miles ahead of anything as Gentiles ever had. They had the scriptures, they had the prophets, and they missed him when he came. This is the greatest tragedy in history, is that God, precious, chosen nation, missed the Messiah, and nobody needed a Messiah worse than Israel in 30 AD. They needed him desperately, but they missed him. And so, when you meet religious people, doesn't matter ethnicity, Whatever. Well, I, I was baptized at first so-and-so. Well, I grew up, you know, and that's why we used to do evangelism on the streets or at the door. If you heard this, soon you knocked on, oh, no, I'm a Catholic. Uh, and then you just say, well, man, they're covered. No need talking anymore. Or uh, I, I'm a, uh, I go to first mixed-up church. Okay, welcome. Uh, but as soon as they gave a label, you said, well, mark them off. They're covered. It's like a woman talking to me uh, several years ago. I invited her to the church, and, and she just said, well, well I want to do you have a gospel choir? I said, well, I hope they are, but I know this much. They've got a gospel preacher. Are you interested in the gospel? Because I know a lot of you growing up on gospel choirs that are going to hell. Because you like the music arrangement. You like the beat, but you don't know what the God we're singing about. You're just there for the arts ministry. Do you like the gospel? So I'm just saying that being religious can be the worst thing that ever happened to you. Because you get so insulated. Well, I, my folks baptized me. And like our Catholic friends, uh, I go at least twice a year. Oh, okay, and, but I, I'm covered. Because here's the tricky thing with Catholicism. Baptism covers you to begin. You get justified when you baptize the infant. Now, their theology says when that child commits their first mortal sin, 
Then they've got to get forgiveness. And guess who's in charge of forgiveness from then on? The church. And so now you need the church's seven sacraments. You need its priest. You need uh, indulgence. You need uh, absolution. You need confession. Other words, we will take you from your mortal sin the rest of the way. And we will even re-crucify Christ for you at every Mass. Because we are the only way that you can get to heaven after the baptism font. Christianity says the church doesn't get you to heaven, only Christ does. And he not only is at the baptism service, he's in with a whole journey. And I'm not dependent on popes, preachers, or councils to get me to heaven. I'm dependent on the one who came to show me God. Christ. Christ alone saves. Christ alone. Not the church. Not the preacher. And I'm going to try to preach this to you today, and you ought to be saved. But you know what's amazing? Uh, Lately, I had a, a dream that disturbed me about maybe my grandchildren would be lost, ultimately. And it, it took sleep from me. I was in panic about it. Because I have 10 of them, and they're a great. And so I look around at my grandchildren. How many of them, do you ever do this? How many of my, my children? Your children aren't saved? I did that with my girls. Will my grandchildren be there? I could say, well, that's their parents' problem. There's going to be a whole lot of folks, kids, that aren't going to be there. If you think you're sovereign in saving people, just get a seven-year-old saved. You can't get them saved. Only this. Now, Jesus says, Nicodemus, uh, you ask me about the kingdom of God. How can you get in it? Now, remember, this Jewish man under Rome, when he thinks the kingdom of God, He's thinking of the messianic reign of, of Messiah. He's thinking of a day when Israel is not ruled by the Gentiles. He's thinking of a day when the tribes of Israel are ruling over the promised land. Uh, he's thinking of a theocratic kingdom that's going to come when the real... He's thinking prophetically, what we talk eschatologically, the future. Uh, the king, I wonder how to be in that kingdom because part of the theology is all Jews, except those who apostatize, all Jews were promised to be in the kingdom of Messiah. That's what I want to talk to. He's going to enter into a theological discussion with Jesus, and that's a compliment. Hey, let's discuss theology and about our nation and about all Jews being in the Messianic kingdom. That's what he's talking about. Now watch what Jesus does. Uh, Jesus answered him, verse 3, Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, the word again, is it's really born from above. It's the word anathen. Uh, the word again would be pollen. It, this word really means, you must be born from above, is what he's really saying. Now, Nicodemus takes it to be repeating a physical birth, but he just totally misses it. You must, if you want to see the kingdom of God, Nicodemus, you must get a life source that comes from the heavens. That's where it comes from. And Nicodemus said, man, I, I can't be born again in my mother's womb. I, I'm becoming probably an old man, 
probably in his 50s or 60s now. You, you're telling me to go back? You know, he's in the uh, gynecology obstetrics ward. He misses it totally. No, no, I'm not talking about that, Nicodemus. I say to you, unless you are born of water and spirit, ought to be a small s, not a capital, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You mean it takes more than being Jewish? It, it, you mean, you're saying you've got to be born of water, spirit? What in the world are you talking about? And you would be amazed at all the views that have been given this. Some say you've got to be water baptized. Can you imagine telling a Jewish man they practice baptism? They practice John's baptism. Hebrews 6 said the Jews baptized many had many baptisms, so that wouldn't have been too new. Not like we do it, but, you know, that wouldn't have been a big shocker. Some say you've got to be born the first time, and they're talking about the amniotic fluid. You've got to be born of a woman. You've got to have a first birth, then you've got to have the second. Well, why command what has already happened? He's already born. He doesn't have to command that. And so he's confused. So the issue is, what does it mean? The born from above is the same as being born of water and spirit. Turn with me to an Old Testament prophet named Ezekiel. Any of you ever read Ezekiel? How many read Ezekiel? Good. Ezekiel 36 talking about the restoration of Israel, 36, 22. Therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name. I'm going to bless you because I'm kind, not because you deserve it. That's what he's saying. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you. And you will be clean from all your uncleanness. Do you think this was water from a pump? No, he's just using the figure of water to say, I'm going to bathe you. You've gotten defiled in all the um, pagan worship that you bought into. I'm going to give you a bath, as it were. I'm going to wash you. I'm going to cleanse you. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. And watch this. And I will give you a new heart and a new, and notice that's a small s. I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my Holy Spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Now, Jesus says, are you a teacher of Israel and you don't understand this? You should have known what the Old Testament said. Look at Titus, how he likens. Titus, 
New Testament, right side of your Bible. Keep, keep turning. I know you got it for Christmas, but you haven't used it yet. Come on. Titus chapter 3. I got a new Bible here, so it's a little slow. Titus 3, 4, but you've got it memorized, haven't you? Go. Oh, okay. Uh, didn't hear anything. Um, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, Titus 3, 4, he saved us. Notice that word. I, I love to lean on it. He saved us. Is that past tense? Can you say, I am saved? Yeah. I don't need any rights. I don't need penance. I'm saved right now. But if I keep living, God says, there's a whole lot more changing I'm going to give to you. I've already got a place reserved for you, but I'm going to chisel on you a lot more before you see me. But you could say, I am saved. I just like to say it for folks who think it's in process and you can never know. He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, watch, by the... Thank you, Kevin. I only preach to one person. No one else hears it. <laughs> by the washing, and if you're from Oklahoma, by the washing, of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs to the hope of eternal life. Becoming a born-again believer is taking the bath where the grace of God washes all the defilement. All the dirt in your mind, in your morals, in your behavior, in your thoughts, in your speech. God scrubs his people clean when he saves them. Your sins roll away and he puts something in you, a new spirit, uh, a new heart, a, a new... He doesn't just go to the cross for you. He did something in you when he saves you. And the reason that so many folks, you wonder if they are saved or not, you're looking for evidence that he did the same work in them that he did in you. Because when you're in the family, you all feel the same about the Father. You all feel the same. You know, look, just look at me. I'm not going to waste a minute trying to get you to worship. No, no, no. Just get out of my way while I worship. I came to worship. The reason you don't worship, you don't know him. That's why I tell Deborah and them, I say, don't worry about all the dead faces. They are dead. They need Christ. When you get Christ, he gushes abroad the love of God in you. Come on, I've grown up with all kinds of Christians. I went to a free will Baptist school, got saved with a bunch of Pentecostals, went to a regular Baptist school. Many of them were irregular. But, you know, I, I, I've been to different schools. I went to Dallas. I went, hey, I found out Christians of every stripe act the same who know him. The stripe doesn't make them my brother or sister. It's Christ. 
It's have you, have you been born again? I remember when I first told my daddy, I, I thought God was calling me to preach. I was 15, and, and uh, you know, he, he had a piercing black eyes about him. He and my mother, my grandmother, had those piercing eyes. And he, he took my hand, and uh, he just held it, and he looked at me. He said, now, now listen to me, son. He said, you're going to meet a lot of folks. Come here, David. I've got to do this right. Come here, stand right here. He, and he's talking to this little 15-year-old kid that he thinks may be delusion that he thinks he's going to be a preacher. He said, let me tell you, son, and he's looking like this, you're going to meet a lot of people, and a lot of them won't know him. They say they do, but every once in a while, he'd do this, you're going to meet someone, and the mystic he was, you'll sense the spirit of Jesus in him, and you found kin, folks. You don't know what kin folks is, do you? You're Californians. You'll meet, you'll meet kin folks. He said, you'll meet a brother, a sister. You're going to spend eternity. He said, keep, and he'd tell me, go looking for that spirit. I felt funny the first time I went up and down the guy's arm trying to find it. <laughs> but he said, says, because right. he, he's in a hitcher. You'll know you met a brother. Get down. Thank you, David. <laughs> Give David applause. Born-again people love born-again people. They know him. I don't ask your stripe. I said, have you met him? Met who? Right there to give you a clue. <laughs> said, I've been looking for him, but I haven't found him yet. Is he brown-eyed? Does he have a job? The necessity is... You must be born of this water and spirit. I take it to be you must have a birth that comes from above and it's the kind of birth that God scrubs you like Ezekiel said he would, like Jeremiah said he would, and he'd put a new heart in you. Israel, you've always strayed, but this time I'm going to do something in you that's going to keep you from straying from me. I'm going to give you a new spirit, a new heart, and from the inside, You'll want to serve me. The law hasn't been able to reign in your passions. The law, you only have broken. You sold out the law for pagan religion. You bought into the Gentiles, and they don't know God. They're pagan. They're going to hell in the name of religion, and they're burning up their children, and they're sacrificing their daughters on altars, and they don't even know me. And you knew me and sold me out. And Jesus said, Nicodemus, I'm back. God's coming back again, and I'm talking to you. You know all the law, but you don't know. You've never been born from above. You've never had this divine cleansing. You've never had your inner man change. And you know what? I ask you, have you had this birth? Notice what he says. Verse 11. Truly I say to you, we speak, oh, I, oh, I'm getting ahead. Don't let me ever do that again. Verse 7 and 8. Don't marvel that I told you to be born again. Now, this is, this is interesting. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, and you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. That's a hard verse to get a handle on. But don't be shocked that you can't explain it Nicodemus, you can't explain the wind. 
You can't explain the wind. You don't know when it's going to blow. <laughs> I remember being in Beirut uh, at an Arab pastor's conference at a Southern Baptist seminary. And I was there, and it was burning hot. And we were in a dorm that had no air conditioning. And uh, it, it, if you go into some of those countries, you stood in water when you took a shower because the drainage system didn't empty. So as you were there for three days, the water just kept, you just stand it. It was the only place you could take a shower. And uh, burning up. And Carolyn and I used to sit in the evening. Uh, it was like grape vineyards were growing. And you could look out on the Mediterranean, way up. We were just miles from Hamas. And we went through one of their camps because we went over to Baalbek. And uh, when we were there, all we longed for was the wind to blow. <laughs> it was so hot. No air conditioning. That wind looks good. He said the new birth is something you must have, but it's unpredictable when it's going to happen and who it's going to happen to. You don't know. You don't know. <laughs> we often talk about Deborah uh, Anderson. She came with Dennis, a man who lost his wife and had several daughters. And she was a friend of the family. And he was in grief. She comes. I'm trying to reach Dennis. She's a guest. She just happens to come to our membership. But my contact was with Dennis. And Dennis was a precious man. And Eventually, as we came to some, the Bible is absolutely the word of God, and Jesus is Messiah. He couldn't buy that, but he's still a precious man. He's kind. Guess, guess where the wind blew? It blew in this little Jewish girl's heart that came with the other guy. And she's just being there to be a friend. She, the daughters are watched over for her. The wind blew through her heart. She's born again. What about some of you? Did any of you grow up in youth groups and church and you were only one of three that got saved and the rest all left church? And you can't understand, why didn't they all? What? We all heard the same preaching. Tim Lottie just raises his hand. They all grew up under Ted Montoya, who was a real evangelist, and went after him, gave his all. Uh, Dave Hurtado was saved. Why not all of them? Why not all of them? What about your family? Praying with a family that their daughter and my daughters grew up in this church together. That daughter away from the Lord. The granddaughter in pain. Going through this with my granddaughter that's come back. I would have done the membership class yesterday just for two people, Kirby Hughes and Erica Howard. Two kids that Kirby went to Iraq and came back, uh, shell-shocked, scared guy that the only thing that looked good was booze to try to get over the fact he saw his best buddy decapitated by a bullet. You know, just come back and assume ordinary life. 
No, 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 no. I'll never forget that image. But he was in the membership class yesterday. And he used to be in Ted's youth group. My granddaughter, 23, she, the other day, she wanted me to show her the books of the Bible. I said, wait, 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 Erica. You've grown up in this church all your life. I'm a newborn baby. I don't know anything. I've sat through the services. I've been in the choir, but I've not been. She said, would it be okay if I got baptized again? I was just eight when I was baptized. I, I believe I was saved, but I've gone so far away, and I've come back. I want to go public again. Well, it's the wind. It's the wind, and it's scary. None of your children will be saved. None of my grandchildren. No one in this church hear me today. You can go out religious, and you will have satisfied maybe a religious itch by coming to church Sunday morning. We're glad to have you. Bring all your friends. We'll give you donuts, coffee, and love you, and hope God does not work. I'm not preaching against you. I'm just saying I want the wind to blow through your heart. Because I don't want to help you go to hell in the name of religion. It's a relationship that comes from above. And he goes on to say, and I don't believe I'll get to 15. It's too good to rush over. He tells, if I told you earthly things and you don't believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And guess what the earthly thing is? How to, how to be born again right now. And he's going to go ahead and tell him, Believe, and you'll receive eternal life. Here Nicodemus was all caught up, caught up with the afterlife, the kingdom. How do you get in the kingdom? How do you get in the kingdom? Jesus said, boy, that's heavenly stuff to you, isn't it? It's prophetic. It's eschatology. It's the future of Israel, the coming of Messiah in his glory, right? But let me tell you something. You don't understand. I just told you, you've got to be born from above. You don't have to wait for this, Nicodemus. You get this right now when you're on this earth. Someday you'll get to go to heaven. Someday you'll get in the kingdom. But right now I'm telling you something that pertains to now and here on this terra firma. Have you been born from above? And he's going to go ahead and tell him, how can I ever know? All you've got to do, do you want to believe in me? Do you want to trust that as God raised up a serpent on a bronze pole to cure Israel of their sin and their murmuring, and he, Moses said, all you got to do is look to this bronze pole, and if you'll look to it, I'm going to heal you of what sin has brought on you. You're dying from poison of asp, but if you look, I'll save you. I'll save you. And he's using this of himself. I came to be lifted up, Nicodemus, so that you could have eternal life, which is the same as being born and becoming a child of God. It was a stormy winter night in London. And the son of a preacher with a wonderful mind was still lost, still lost. And the young lad was about 14, if I remember. He stumbled into a Methodist prayer meeting. But because of the snow and the bad weather, there was only 8 to 10 people at the meeting. And the regular pastor wasn't able to make the meeting. So a layman uh, 
was in charge. He just stepped in an emergency to give a devotion. And he got up and he began to uh, speak on Isaiah's prophecies. Look unto me, all ye ends of the earth, and be saved. And since there's only 10 people, and the young lad was new there, the old Methodist coal miner, lay speaker, said, young man, hear me. It doesn't cost you anything to look. It doesn't take any great effort to look. Son, tonight, would you look to the Lamb of God and he'll save you? And the little boy, Charles, became the greatest preacher of the English-speaking world because that night he looked. He saw the bronze serpent on the pole but instead of it being the serpent that put poison in the race, it was the Lamb of God that says, I'm the only cure for the poison of the serpent. Look to me. Look to me. I'll save you. And he goes on by narrative and by completion. We don't have time. He said, let me tell you something greater, Nicodemus. God so loved those who hated him that he sent me to die. And Nicodemus, you don't understand this. This is what the Messiah wants to do first. He first wants to be lifted up on a cross and become a curse for you. Then we'll get to the kingdom. No kingdom without the cross. Look, are you here without Christ, but you're religious? You're born a Catholic, a Baptist, a Presbyterian, a whatever. And you might have went through catechism and a lot of good instruction, but it never did take deeply because you just didn't know him. I want to pray that the Spirit might blow through your heart. 